Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Today, I'm, I'm very honored to be able to speak. I don't have a Father's Day message per se. We're going to be continuing uh, through the series that we've been talking about um, called Unlocking Supernatural Power. Uh, but regardless, I'm just excited to be here this morning. So thank you for giving me your time. Uh, last week, Andrew had spoken about how supernatural power can be unlocked in our lives um, with the natural laying on of our hands. He had spoken about how this was an elementary principle, that this was normal, this wasn't weird, but through this laying on of hands, um, people received healing, people received the Holy Spirit, um, and then he touched on people received spiritual gifts. So I'm picking the message up from there for where Andrew left off, and so we're going to be exploring the Bible a little bit, and it's a good foundation, and to see what it says about unlocking the supernatural power of spiritual gifts. Okay? All right, so Lord, God, I thank you for this opportunity. Lord, I thank you... um, I thank you for each person here, Lord. It's a pleasure and an honor to be uh, a vessel used for your righteousness and whatever capacity that you have us uh, used for, Lord. I pray that this morning, God, you can move me out of the way, Lord. And if there's any wisdom to be shared, it'll be your thoughts, your words through my mouth. God, I pray for the hearts here. God, I pray for soft hearts and open ears to listen to whatever you're speaking to your church, your people here this morning. God, I pray that this glorifies you and brings you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Um, so as Pastor Brett had mentioned a few weeks ago, a really good place to start is Scripture. If we start there, then that's a great foundation for understanding things. So our key text today is going to be found in 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to go through the whole chapter today. Not not at once, okay, but it's going to be a lot of text. It's really good. So let's bring the first one up here in 1 Corinthians. Hey, there we go. Okay, let's go through this together. So 1 Corinthians 12, 1 to 2, but we're going to go all the way to 11. So it says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities that the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. Next slide, please. Thank you. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us, each of us, so that we can help each other. That's important. We'll get back to there. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of, sorry, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another, and to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles, and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still, another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. 
It is the one and only spirit who distributes all of these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Okay, good foundation. So we see here right away that there's just a few um, key things that Paul is indicating that he's identifying in this first passage to the Corinthians that I just want to touch on this morning. So one of those is being clarity, the clarity of spiritual gifts. So what are spiritual gifts? And Paul's desire for us not to misunderstand what he is saying. Secondly, the variety and the source of the gifts, that there's a lot of different types of spiritual gifts. And the source is the Holy Spirit. They all come from him. He is the source and sole provider of each of these gifts. And then thirdly, the purpose of these spiritual gifts. So Paul had mentioned these spiritual gifts are given to each person, right? To help one another. That's it. That's my whole sermon. Okay, but maybe we should elaborate. Okay, no, not yet, not yet. Okay, so the first thing, clarity about spiritual gifts. So Paul mentions right away in his opening sentence that he doesn't want his readers to have a misunderstanding about what he's talking about. So Paul has an aim, a target for clarity, which I think we all need to have. Anytime that we're diving into any topic biblically, it's good to have as much clarity as possible. That's different from understanding, right? We may not go through a topic, especially if it's foreign or difficult for us, and completely understand what it is that we're reading, but we want to make sure, to the best of our ability, that it can just be clear, that the lens or the window that we're viewing it from is as clear as possible so we can see what it is we're actually looking for. So the best way that I know of how to do this is by using Scripture as our foundation for truth. We use Scripture as the lens to define these things that we're talking about. So this has been a pretty uh, revealing um, and interesting study for me as I go through these spiritual things, uh, not just in the last couple weeks, but actually throughout my whole Christian walk. Because when I hear uh, supernatural or spiritual gifts, instantly my mind is just drawn to Star Wars or uh, superheroes, um, right, I hear spiritual, and then my mind starts thinking of, okay, yeah, Marvel, Universe, that's great, uh, DC, right? So my, my ears hear supernatural, but my mind sees superpowers. I think our culture has done um, an incredibly immersive job of tying together the idea of supernatural to fiction, right? So it's like our, our culture will recognize, yes, these supernatural supernatural things are real, but mostly in the context of fantasy. So when I start reading what scripture says and it starts mentioning these words like supernatural and spiritual gifts, things that are not material, I just need to be, personally, I just need to make sure I'm not using the lens of culture to view it. Okay. A second one that has been revealing to me, um, and another part of my experience, this could be different for you, uh, but it's just something I fa- found, I discovered, and I had to recognize as I read through these things was the lens of religious extremes or abuse when it comes to these same things. So recognizing this, but YouTube is a thing, so I've been exposed um, and I've witnessed these faith healers or televangelists who are talking about these spiritual things, but they extort people and they abuse it and they stretch scripture way further than what scripture describes or prescribes for their own benefit. Right, And so that personally has just left a sour taste in my mouth. So 
when I'm reading this, as I was studying this, these are just things I had to be aware of. If I want clarity, I just need to make sure I'm not allowing these lenses to get in the way to see what the Bible is saying. Okay. So, simply put, spiritual gifts are a variety of unique, immaterial abilities that are given to each of us by the person of the Holy Spirit to serve one another. There's two chapters in the Bible that speak most directly with listing the spiritual gifts. It's, it's mentioned a lot throughout Scripture. Um, but 1 Corinthians 12, which we just read the first half of that, combined with Romans 12, gives us a list of 16 individual spiritual gifts. Uh, so for the remaining time, I'll be giving a two-minute breakdown of each gift, and that should absorb all the time uh, and make my sermon very easy. Um, I was actually asked specifically not to do that, um, so I'll just quickly list them. Uh, these gifts are uh, prophecy, we have teaching, we have encouraging, giving, leadership, mercy, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, healing, miraculous power, discernment, speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues, and helper. So 1 Corinthians 12, verse 11 says, All these are empowered by the one, the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So these are the gifts, and the source, or the distributor, is the Holy Spirit. It's God. It is God alone who distributes each of these gifts to us. It's not something that we speak into existence or proclaim on ourselves to have this gift. It's not something that we claim within our own power, these gifts are given by God, right. as he wills, not as we will. Right? We're called to desire these gifts, and that's a good thing. To ask for, the, uh, ask for the gifts, that's a good thing. But God's the Father. He's the one who gives the gifts. Okay, so which leads into the third key point. Guys, we're getting through this really quick, aren't we? It's great. The purpose of spiritual gifts. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7 helps clarify this a little bit. It says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. The purpose of our spiritual gift is not to serve ourselves. The purpose of our spiritual gift is not to build a self-fulfilling ministry founded on that spiritual gift. But it's to serve one another. It's to build up and encourage the body of Christ. The purpose of these spiritual gifts are also to be used. That's a big one, to actually use and exercise these gifts. There's no benefit in any gift, spiritual or natural, if they just remain in their package. Though some gifts that we have gotten, perhaps, are so strange they should stay in their package. Um, has anyone here... I'm sure they have. Everyone here can relate to this. You've received at some point in your life a gift from somebody, and as you open it, it leaves you in that awkward stage between trying to put a smile on your face and saying, oh, thank you so much, while your mind is saying, what the heck is this? Why did you give this to me? Right? It's a gift that we receive that's just awkward, and we know that we, A, we didn't want this. We're never going to use this. And it's going to sit completely untouched, unused, remaining in its package for the next seven years in storage until you decide to go to Goodwill and donate it. Right? Because does anyone else experience that or is that just me? No? Okay. There's some poor gift givers out there. 
Okay, so our small group actually took advantage of this around Christmas time. Uh, it was funny. We wanted to do a gift exchange, like uh, those white elephant gift exchanges. Do you guys know what that is? Right, so everyone will bring one gift, and then as you go around, you can either pick a gift, unwrap it, or you can steal a gift that has already been unwrapped. Um, and the premise was, is that we're not going to have a budget, no budget, don't spend money, but rather grab one of these awkward gifts that someone has given you in the past, because we all have one, and bring it, rewrap it, and it was fun. It was great. So if you're looking for uh, a wonderful way and an affordable way to do a gift exchange maybe this Christmas with your family, I highly recommend it because some of those gifts that you're re-gifting might have been from one of those family members a few, year, few years ago, uh, so it would be very entertaining. Uh, but that being said, I bring that up um, just as an, an illustration, as a contrast, because this is not at all how God gives us spiritual gifts. You see, God does not give us a spiritual gift at random. He doesn't do it in a blind hope uh, that if he just gives us a myriad of different toys, such as like a, a, a parent would do with their child, that that child will gravitate to one and hopefully play with it and say, yeah, I really like this. No, God doesn't do that. God gives us very unique and specific individual spiritual gifts for the building and encouragement of his church and the establishment of his kingdom. But I think often we get stuck in the awkward gift mentality, in the, in the practical use of our spiritual gifts. Perhaps we recognize that we've been given a gift, but we see it as odd or unappealing, or you don't know how to use it, so we just keep it in its package. But I just want to th like think through this and consider this a little bit with me. If God has given each of us, as Scripture says, a spiritual gift so that we can help one another, this is the same God that through his words spoke the universe into existence. This is the same God that by his divine power upholds every single atom in this universe. This is a God who knows all and can see all and understands everything. That being said, perhaps it's not unreasonable for us to weigh that against our carnal hesitations when we are wanting to exercise or use these spiritual gifts. I think our hesitations should be ultimately trumped by the very reality that God gave us this gift in the first place. Amen. You see, we all have our own wirings and passions, things that are built into us, our drives. Right, we have our wirings, which are things that we are just naturally good at. For me, I'm naturally good at problem solving and puzzles and technology and sarcasm. <laughs> Those things come so naturally to me. I don't need to strive. I don't need to step out of my comfort zone to exercise those at all. They're my natural wirings. We also have passions, things that we love to do, things that like really drive us. For me, I'm passionate about games. I love video games. I love board games. There's a board game called Scythe in particular. It's amazing. It's super nerdy. It's competitive. It's strategic. And I've played it hundreds of times. And it's great. But these are all things that I love to do. But the spiritual gifts that the Bible is talking about are distinct from these. Yes, that's right. These ones are supernatural. So they're not drives that we necessarily have or wirings that we necessarily have. But rather, these are distinct supernatural abilities, gifts, 
that God has given to us for the building of his church, the encouragement of his church. So these are God-enabled, God-activated abilities, and they often require us to step out in faith, out of our comfort zone, to exercise them. Remember, they are used to glorify God and to edify his church, not build ourselves up. God often uses the weak and the foolish to demonstrate his power, doesn't he? And for me, that's relatable because if you're like me, stepping out in faith sometimes to exercise these gifts, I feel weak or I feel foolish or unequipped. But then again, that's because it's not about me. It's, 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 a, it's an avenue to show God's power to serve his church through me. So if you feel like that, guys, you're not alone. It's a very natural thing to feel. So though these gifts are focused specifically and primarily for the body of Christ, I don't believe, I'm not convinced that this means we're only supposed to use these spiritual gifts in the context of serving God's church. Because the Bible doesn't use exclusive language when it talks about this. It doesn't say that these gifts are given to each people so that we only, only help each other in the body of Christ. I think that's its primary focus. I think that is clear, that the primary purpose for which these gifts are given is to serve the body of Christ. But like a very specific construction tool, like a screwdriver, for example, it's been designed for a purpose to screw something in. But if you're like me, we've all used the blunt end of it to use it as a hammer, right? So we have different ways that we can use this. I think our spiritual gifts, they pour out of our lives, so it's not just in the church. But it is important to recognize that these spiritual gifts are for the primary purpose of the local body, for the body of Christ. So spiritual gifts, they benefit the body of Christ in a supernatural way that our wirings and our passions just don't. So what I'm not saying is that we need to neglect our wirings and our passions altogether. I'm not saying that. And I'm not saying that we need to overemphasize the spiritual gifts in our lives either. I'm saying that we need to recognize and exercise all of them and use all of them because we're supposed to love the Lord our God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So every aspect about who we are and what God has given, we are supposed to use for others. So 1 Peter 4.10 says this. It says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Okay, so we've covered the variety of gifts and their purpose, where their focus is, and I'm hoping that we're trying to strive for some clarity here. Um, but what now? How do we unlock the supernatural power? I want to encourage people who might be relating to this phrase. I don't know if I have any spiritual gifts, and if so, I don't recognize them, and I don't, I don't know what they are. I want to encourage those people, if that's you, if that's your mindset right, right now, not to tune out to this next part because it's, it's, it's important. 1 Timothy 4, 13 to 15. I think this is great. It says, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching, to teaching. Do not neglect your spiritual gift, which was given to you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. I think this is incredibly important. When I read this, Listen, devote yourselves to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching, and to teaching. That just sounds like a Sunday. 
That's what we do here, right? We're reading publicly scripture. There's preaching and there's teaching. This is what we do on a Wednesday. We immerse ourselves, right? We give ourselves wholly to them. We're diligent in these matters. These are, these are practices that we repeat and rhythms that we get into on Sundays, on our Wednesday pursues, and in our groups. I think this is awesome. This tr- translates really well from what um, Andrew was preaching about last week, right? So this is Timothy here. Um, Paul is telling him not to neglect the gift that was given to him through what? There's two things here. Through prophecy, that's a spiritual gift. And the second one is the laying on of hands by the elders. So Timothy's gift that he's being told not to neglect was activated by two things. One, someone else was exercising their spiritual gift to him. Prophecy. They were speaking prophecy. They were exercising that gift and then helped activate it, coupled with the laying on of hands. That's not a spiritual gift. That's just a command. That's just a natural thing that has supernatural powers that Andrew spoke on last week. 2 Timothy 1, verse 6 says this. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. Don't worry about that. We can pick it up later, Ryan. Which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. So if you are in that mentality, if you do not know what your spiritual gift is, this is how you discover them. Immerse yourself in authentic relationships in the rhythm of God's church. I'm going to say that again because I think it's really important. Immerse yourself in the authentic relationships in the rhythm of God's church. But why is this so important? So we've, we've gotten this far. We understand the gifts. We see the purpose. But do we really need this, or am I just over-spiritualizing everything? Am I putting too much emphasis on these? Um, let's see what Corinthians continues to say. So 1 Corinthians 12, 1 to 11, this was the first chunk of Scripture that we read right at the start. It was talking about the spiritual gifts. Paul, great teacher, he jumps right into an analogy, right? This is in the same context, the same chapter, the very next verse. And analogies help me get a clearer picture. So let's just read what he has to say. He says, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be, right? Every one of them God placed just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. 
On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. All the parts that are unrepresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But look at this. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. I love this. And then this last sentence here is the application point to that. He just gave an analogy of the importance of this. And then he sums it up. Now you, you and I, he's speaking to us. He's speaking to the church here. Now you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. So that's why it's so important. That's why we're going through this series and we're putting this emphasis on the importance of this is because using our spiritual gifts is tied to the very purpose to which God made you. God has shaped and crafted each and every one of us very specifically and uniquely to fit in a particular spot in the body of Christ. It's not random. So we can understand, going back to the body analogy that Paul has started, that we can survive, our body, we can survive without its hands. I can remove my hands. It can survive without its feet. I can remove my feet. My body, our bodies, we can, they can survive without our eyes, without our ears, without our nose. And our I cut all those things off, and your body can still survive. But if I were to ask anyone here, understanding this concept, if they would be willing to volunteer to lose any of those members, I would assume I would have no volunteers. Right? Because we recognize that they're important, that they each help one another serve one another. Though, yes, we can survive without them, our bodies can thrive when they're all working together in unity. Though they have different functions, though some are seen, though some are unseen, they work together. An example of how this actually plays out in my life um, was through this, the preparation of this sermon and the last time I was asked to speak. See, uh, I have the gift of teaching. That's been something um, that I, don't, I didn't self-proclaim on myself. Actually, it's taken many, 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 many years of Pastor Ryan saying, hey, Joel, laying hands on me and praying for me, saying, brother, you have this gift in you. Let's elevate it. Let's stir it up. How about you start using it? Sorry, Ryan. <laughs> I've gotten there eventually. I'm starting to elevate. I'm starting to elevate that. But I've I've seen it being uh, brought forth not by my own abilities within myself, but as I've prepared for these messages, the most beneficial process for me to exercise my spiritual gift to, by the grace of God, that it serves someone in the house listening to anything that I'm saying today has been from my wife. Because my wife, Catherine, oh, I love her. I look at her and I just want to cry. Whew. She's really great. If you don't know Catherine, you should meet her. She has the gifts, the spiritual gifts 
of wisdom and discernment and helper and mercy. And man, when she puts all those together, she really helps me collect my thoughts. So I can study these things, but I have a hard time putting my thoughts in, in an order that makes sense. I have a hard time distinguishing what I should say and what I can't say. I'm usually pretty good at coming up with analogies to get a point across, just, just how I think is how I see things. But without Catherine pouring into me, it is such a struggle for me to do this. It's really difficult. Could I do it? Yes. I would be stumbling a lot more than I am right now. See, this is a way that she uses her spiritual gifts to pour into me, and then I can use my spiritual gifts to pour into you. It's the, it's the body ministry helping one another. And this is what Paul is saying. You don't see Catherine up here speaking this morning. You don't see the other members of the church necessarily standing here when you're listening to a Sunday morning sermon. But because they're all interconnected and because they're serving one another, the result is I get to do this because of their gifts pouring into my lives. I get to be here because she was faithful to exercise her gifts in the body of Christ. And so then my responsibility is to be faithful and exercise my gifts for the body of Christ so that someone else will hear this and that they'll be faithful to exercise their gifts in the body of Christ. Is this making sense? Is this coming together? You see, a, a puzzle piece by itself is incomplete and lacking. If you just think of a single puzzle piece on the table that just sits here, it's got all these weird edges and shapes. There's no clarity in it. It, has, it doesn't fit in anywhere. There's areas of it that are lacking and there's areas of that that are protruding. But when you have a lone puzzle piece like that, also the puzzle that it's supposed to be a part of is also incomplete and lacking. It has a hole. There's going to be a connection piece next to another member of the body who's actually relying on that puzzle piece that's not there. So they can't do it. And they can't do it well. So this is why it's important. Maybe some of us today think, I don't, my, my spiritual gift isn't that important to the body. I think they can do okay without me. That's not what scripture says, guys. That's, that's what our minds say. That's what our flesh wants to say. That's what the enemy wants to say. We have an importance, each one of us. If God has placed each one of us in the body for a purpose, then there's a reason there. What if my kidney decided one day just to take the day off? Just to say, oh, you know what? This isn't really working for me. Or what if my heart decided to say, okay, this is getting really repetitive. Just doing the same thing over and over. Oh my gosh, and when those feet start to go, it's making me work harder and harder, so stop doing that. Right? Each of these pieces, especially the ones that we don't see, are indispensable. We need them. So church, hear me today. Each of you are indispensable to the body of God. Each of you have a purpose, a divine purpose, to serve someone else. You see, if my hand, though it's a part of my body, if you're a follower of Christ, you are a part of the body, but if my hand refuses to exercise its purpose, 
to grab things, to direct things, to, to do all the hand things that hand things do. Though a part of the body, it's not functioning for the purpose that it was made. My hand does not exist to serve myself. It's, it's, it's designed to serve the rest of my body. And it does a great job. And that's the same for all of us. So God has given each one of us a unique and a special gift to serve the body of Christ. We all have at least one spiritual gift that we're called to exercise this. Okay, but what do we do? Well, we got to get through some stumbling blocks. We got to do some very uncomfortable things. We need to exercise faith and obedience. We got to read what the Bible says here and we got to take it seriously. We got to say if God has directed his word to declare this for us to read and apply to our lives today, no matter what we think internally, his word trumps it. Andrew had brought up some possible stumbling blocks that get in our way often, I think, when we, when we try to press into these things. He said, uh, to quote him, there are two buddies that show up. Uh, one is fear. Fear says, I don't want to. Says another one is pride that says, not for me, I don't, I don't need to. If you're like me, perhaps the, the loudest one and the one that's often in the room um, is the third buddy called apathy, which says, I don't care to. We disconnect ourselves from the idea that it really matters. And for me, apathy is a hard thing to get over. Um, not just in spiritual gifts matters like this. Apathy is something that I constantly have to work past. Maybe it's just who I am as, as a guy, as a father, as a husband. I don't know. But apathy is something that haunts me that I need to honestly push and push. And how that helps is me being encouraged with the other bodies, the other members of Christ. People can encourage me and stir me up when I'm feeling like it doesn't really matter or I'm feeling that these other buddies are called buddies, but they're not your friends. Fear and pride get in the way. I need other people to encourage me and uplift me and fan into flame the realities of what God says, not what these people, these thoughts are saying to me. So the struggle with all of this, guys, is not hopeless. It's a struggle, but we can do it because we serve a God who is as powerful as Jesus. Guys, he is a God who allows us, who changes our desires, who within us gives us the ability and the power through his grace and his divine power to do the things that please him, right? He gives us the strength and he gives us the will. He gives us the desire to do the things that he wants us to do. You see, all of this is just another reminder of how broken we are <laughs> and how much we, we honestly need to rely on Christ and we need to rely on the church, onto one another, guys, because we cannot do this alone. I can't do this alone. These, these things might be difficult for us to understand, and that's okay if it's difficult for us to understand. But as we read this today, it's not difficult to see how clear it is. Scripture is clear. Church, can we stand? I just, I, I want to pray and I will be dismissing you here in a moment, but prayer is also one of those things I don't understand, if I'm just being honest. But I do it anyways, because God tells me to. Lord, 
God, I just thank you for who you are. First of all, Lord, it's Father's Day. Lord, we honor you, the ultimate, the greatest Father who sees us as children and welcomes us home as children. Lord, you've poured your grace on our lives. Lord, we each stand here breathing today because you allow it. Lord, I thank you for every person in the room, Lord, who made the decision to come to church today. Lord, who made the decision to immerse themselves in your church, God. Lord, I just pray that if there's any wisdom, God, any conviction, anything that may be beneficial for someone, Lord, it was your wisdom through your word, through my mouth. God, I thank you for the honor of being a mouthpiece. God, I want to pray a blessing, Lord, your favor over every single person here. I want to pray for fresh faith. God, a fresh perspective on spiritual gifts and and supernatural things that you call out in your church. Lord, I want to pray for obedience, God, the courage to be obedient, the courage to walk in faith to every person who hears this message. Lord, and ultimately, God, we thank you for your son. We thank you that we get salvation through one name alone, and his name is Christ. Lord, I thank you that it's by your grace that we can have salvation. Lord, I just thank you, and I pray all this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.